Hello and welcome to this week's episode of In The Long Run Podcast. Thank you so much for the feedback regarding the last podcast on scheduling. I've had feedback from a broad church of people, including healthcare professionals, teachers, seasoned runners, and really interestingly, some old friends got back in touch to say how it helped them with some of their preparations. So I'm extremely grateful for that, uh, and I hope you continue to find these episodes really, really useful. This week's episode has two themes. One is a coaching model that I'm currently developing which is called the hierarchy of attention which will hopefully help you navigate the myriad of different information that's out there and concentrate on what's important for you at any specific time and also how to run fast but with a different it's the acronym fast using focus alignment stability and timing I really hope you enjoy. If you're not a runner, there's still some stuff in there for you, especially if you want to have an endurance mindset. This is Scott Jameson in the Long Run Podcast, episode six. This week's episode is inspired by a thread on my Running Club's Facebook feed, and which has led me to want to articulate to you how to navigate the world of information to your advantage and then address the question that was originally posed on the Facebook thread. Now the question that was asked was about cadence and it was simply is it something worth focusing on? Now what followed there was some debate and it came from seasoned runners, bright club members, there were links to expert opinion and some studies albeit runner's world studies thrown in and I've got no problem with them but when you look into the detail on most of their articles the studies are very small in the fact that it was very few people over a constrained race or situation where sometimes it doesn't really allow itself scientifically to overlay on all context. Nevertheless it did raise a good point and they are entertaining articles to read. All points had merit and there was more agreement than disagreement about cadence as a thing to focus on. Now it caused me a lot to think about the motivation for the question and I think, although I don't know, I think it came from an exasperation or frustration that improvements were not being realised from the methods that were put in and it could be, and this is a similar story, where people may plateau so that's where they feel they're putting in either the same or increased effort but don't feel they're going anywhere or even worse, they feel or actually are getting worse with some of their times and their efforts. And therefore, that reaches us to conclude that we should look at certain things to see whether we can realise improvements on something new that we haven't focused on before, which is entirely reasonable. Now, I will give you my take on Cadence up front. I think it's definitely something to work on And I think it's definitely something to focus on and that can give you improvements on speed in endurance running, but also in other sports, especially cycling. But before we go into the details of cadence and how it might work or under what model it might work in, I want to get to the bottom of what do we do next when we feel like we're in a a plateau or we're just starting out or our results aren't getting any better? 
because there's thousands of articles out there that can either help us and the volume of it is the thing that doesn't help us because we could be clutching at the wrong straw doing the wrong thing or some things are just more important than others and that is why I'm personally trying to design a coaching model that focuses on attention and I call it the hierarchy of attention model. The aim of the model is that bearing in mind the many points of information you could go to or many different solutions that may or may not help you, you've only got a finite of bandwidth to give over to those methods or that advice. So how do you know which ones to latch onto and give your attention to? Attention genuinely means precious time as well. And the idea is some things are more important than others. So they're higher up on the hierarchy. So as you think about self-improvement, you start at the top of the hierarchy. If you get those things weighed off, then you can start moving down the hierarchy. And this is where I'm relating it to the question on cadence, because although I feel that cadence is really important in running, I'd also think it's not the first thing that you should go to if you found yourself either just starting out in running or you're looking for improvements on an already good endurance background. So when helping anyone from learners or professionals in an executive sense or runners, there are five pillars, I believe, that are at the top of the hierarchy and should have your attention until you have optimised all five of them. Those pillars are sleep, nutrition, relationships, movement and wealth. Now I'm not sure which one is more important uh, and I don't see one as more important than the other but what I do know is you've got to have a balance between all these five before you can start looking at other things beyond this hierarchy. What I do believe from a health point of view, mental and physical, if there is a difference between mental and physical, mental is physical, sleep, nutrition and movement, utterly essential. And I'm often surprised, and it's probably other constraints on the health service or a doctor's time, that any consultation to do with health doesn't start with a survey or a questionnaire on those three things because there is nothing that once those three things are optimized there is nothing that won't benefit from those three things now i'm not saying they will cure everything but they certainly put your body in a best situation to handle whatever life is going to throw at it from a health point of view so let's just look at each one briefly each of those pillars and then we'll move on to movement after all, this is what we're here for. We're here to talk about endurance sports. But sleep. Now, the phrase sleep when you're dead, that is the surefire way to bring that thing on, literally. There are two famous examples of people who were championed for not needing sleep. They would work all day up to the early hours of the morning and wake up early in the morning as well to punch out high productivity. And the two famous examples are... Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. And these two people are usually used as examples of reasons not to champion the person who pushes through and never gets any sleep. Because sadly and famously, before their deaths, they had severe mental decline. A stark contrast to what they were famous for in the primes of their lives. And it's not just protection whilst ageing. 
there are too many things to mention in this podcast while sleep concentrating on your sleeping will assist you in all parts of your life but especially endurance sports next thing i mentioned was nutrition you are what you eat we all know that junk food junk minds and junk performance now i know there will be people out there who are getting away with it but that's not a good thing they're missing out on even better performance i do actually know someone who uh they eat well, but it, it is quite funny. He's a sub 220 marathon runner and he even enjoys the odd smoke while he's socially drinking. And we all think, what a git. How do you get away with that? <laughs> but again, forget endurance sports for the moment. If you want to lead a better life, concentrate on what's going in to your digestive system. Next, I said relationships. This goes back to the point, if you want happiness, relationships is the key factor among other things but number one according to the happiness lab at Yale University is having good positive relationships therefore one could even say avoiding bad relationships could be a priority over seeking the good good news is join a running club you're going to build lots of good relationships then I said movement which we're going to focus on in a minute this is a uh, running and endurance podcast after all and then wealth and your lowest aim here is not to be a burden to yourself to your family friends country however you want to think of it no one likes to feel that way so you need to get to a position where you feel like you are contributing now any imbalance or barriers to achieving good practices over these five pillars are going to have an effect on your life and your life is no different to the endurance running or endurance sport or any sport that you want to do you don't perform at your best if you haven't paid adequate attention to these five pillars and this isn't a stationary thing meaning one month you can have balance on this the next month you could lose it the important thing to do is reflect and constantly keep this up as a habit to keep all of these things balanced in your life so let's move on to and concentrate on the movement. So when we go to each of these pillows and you move to the next one, there's another hierarchy to look at. Now for endurance athletes, thus far the model has told me the cornerstones and the top of the hierarchy for movement, if you want to be an endurance athlete, is working to an appropriate volume, working to an appropriate intensity, regular strength work, which gives stability and protection from injury and regular flexibility, which again is for prevention of injury, but would also help you perform your at your sport. Now, once you've automated habits or are working to establish those habits to achieve the pillars on this point of the hierarchy, you can quickly turn your attention onto things such as technique and form. It could even be at the same time. But the important thing is, firstly, you've got to work out these four things, volume, intensity, uh, strength and flexibility, before you start looking even deeper onto form and technique. So moving down into form and technique for runners, the next four pillars I've taken from Colm O'Connell, who, are, who is a well-renowned coach of the Kenyans in Iton. He's trained too many 
world champions, Olympians to note to mention here. But if you don't know who he is, I can summarize it with two people, and that's Mary Katani, world record holder for the marathon, and David Rhodesia, world record holder for the 800 meters. So the same coach, two different disciplines, so he spans the whole disciplines. And when it comes to running, he had four things that he focused on for form and technique. And that was the acronym FAST. So FAST stands for focus, alignment, stability and timing. Now, Colm O'Connell put it beautifully when he said, endurance is not only an exertion. And sometimes that's how we think of it. If we just thrash ourselves and put ourselves uh, in the mixer, you know, we will churn out an endurance athlete. There is a discipline and good runners are good runners because they run well. And yes, there are exceptions to the rule. You might think of Paula Radcliffe, who you know who runs in a unorthodox manner, but is still very fast. But remember, that is the exception, not the rule. If you're looking for improvements, you need to do what every good runner is trying to do and trying to achieve in their focus and form. And as a coach, I would never advocate changing anyone who's got a successful formula. I'd be looking to learn what they're doing and why they're successful. So if that's you and you're winning races and someone says you move your arm strangely, if you're winning races, you're doing something right. So don't worry about it. So let's break down these four pillars in this part of the hierarchy then. Firstly, we're going to look at focus. This is focus while you are running in terms of your holistic focus but it's also choosing different focuses while you are running in training to develop your overall stride. So let's talk about the holistic focus. While you are running, there are many distractions. They're either physical, visual, auditory, and to gain an economic stride, it's best to avoid those distractions and remain focused. Now to do this, you can simply just concentrate on looking about 10 to 20 meters in front of you at the ground. This is a good distance to look forward to in terms that you don't look too far ahead and you're not looking down at your toes. Now if you look too far ahead you may get spooked by the fact that you've still got a long way to go or there's a hill to come so it take it distracts you from focusing in on your stride but also if you look too far ahead your head may lose the optimum position and that can affect your balance and stability which you may not feel over five strides, but you may feel over five miles. Now, if you look less than 10 meters or less than 10 and 15 meters, what that could mean is your head again is out of position, rounding off your back, and again, you lose the economy of your stride. And I personally feel that the 10 to 15 meters is a good distance because you are running in the moment. And we all know when the going gets tough, sometimes you can only focus on the next 10 steps or even worse, just the next three steps and then repeat and then repeat. Focus for me, as I've said, is about choosing a focus while training as well. And for this, I'm going to use a swimming analogy. And going back to what Colm O'Connell said before about running is a discipline, it's not just about thrashing yourself. I want to compare how runners train and how swimmers train. Now the similarities, both will focus on volume and intensity and the difference, unless you're part of a, an athletics club or a good 
running club is that almost always swimmers will still train doing drills to help their overall stroke and runners will just run in the hope that the volume and the intensity and the thrashing will give them economical improvements. I know this in my life in the military I've never been with a group gone out for a run and chose to do some specific focusing and I've been a member of half a dozen running clubs where it is very much the exception if one of the coaches or run leaders stopped and said let's do this let's focus on that myself included who knows I might change when we come out of lockdown and I'll be getting the members to do some more of it I'm sure they can't wait now the focuses you can choose are cadence where you're planting your foot on your foot strike what are you doing with your arms and the other things that we're going to mention in a minute, alignment, stability and timing. Now, the way to do this in training, especially if you're going to do it over a anything from a 5K to a 10K or even more long run, is it would be impossible to focus the whole time on that one thing. Much like meditation, when you try and avoid being distracted from the breath, if you were to focus on your arm drive after one minute or so, you're going to be distracted by something else. So it's impossible to keep it up for that whole time. So don't expect that of yourself if you are going to start looking at focuses. Instead, choose something like a timing regime where you may have a countdown timer that goes off perhaps every five minutes and then for 30 seconds to a minute, you then focus on your arm drive. Now, like in swimming, where they concentrate on just legs or just arms or whatever else they do in swimming, it then has a net benefit for when they do their whole stroke the idea is the same here when you come to your race I'm not going to be expecting any athlete to go focus on one thing I want them to run naturally bearing in mind that they've spent time working on their form and focus and all they have to do is holistically focus on the race the improvements will be realized automatically the next pillar is alignment and this does this talks to posture and direction of your levers and pendulums, which is basically your arms and your legs. Now, all I want you to think about is either the feeling or when you've watched an endurance sport before, look at the athletes at the start of the race versus the end of the race. Now, the aim when you're focusing in on alignment is that although you are tired, no one would know it from how you look the only thing that may give it away is the grimace on your face but otherwise you're stood up straight and all your levers and pendulums are moving in a economical fashion so posture now if you were to google mountain pose in yoga in essence that's the profile we're after now the side profile the middle of your skull is aligned with your shoulders your hips and your ankle and when you're running, this should be constant. But instead of a straight line going up from the ground ankles to the skull when you stand, it is more at an acute angle or a lean. So when the foot strike hits the ground, you could draw a line from the ankle, hip to the skull, and it would still be straight. And for me, it's alignment of your levers and pendulums as well. Once we get tired, we might get a bit lazy with them and we might start stepping outside of our rails, if you like, that, we're, that we normally run on. Our feet might not be straight as what they were at the start of the race. 
Equally, our arm drive might start going forwards and backwards, but as we're tired, our elbows flail side to side. And as we're throwing our levers in other directions other than forwards and back, we are throwing forward momentum away, which means we're throwing our economy away, which is why this is important. You're not going to notice this over 30 metres, 50 metres. You're going to notice this in your times. You know, you could shave tens of seconds and perhaps even more just by having every bit of mass directed forward instead of sideways. Now, there is a caveat to this. It doesn't mean shoehorn your body to do something that it's not naturally to do or it's not set up to do. In other words, if you've got individual differences, but it's still giving you success, of course, keep them. But it's just something to think about to develop. Next is stability. So FAS, stability. Now, this is subtle, but it's powerful. Now, I want to use the analogy of a boxer here. And you may hear that, you may have heard the phrase that a boxer punches from the feet. And that's a connection between the top part of the body to the bottom part of the body or other way around, the bottom driving the top. Now, st the stability requires the body to work in unison, unconsciously when fresh and not so much when you're tired or pushing the limits. Think about the start of you and how lovely it feels, how nice it flows. You've got that little spring. All your muscles have strength in them and energy and they're keeping you balanced. When you get tired, you might have to focus and create the stability within yourself using conscious movements. And you can feel this when your back starts to arch or your hip starts to drop and things start getting a little bit of painful and you would serve yourself well in the race to focus on stability. Now, outside of the race, stability needs to be incorporated in part of your strength routine. Now, it can be quite a complex thing to discuss, so I'm not going to go into it now. Two words to cover this off, Pilates and yoga. If you haven't got time to think about this subject and you just want to give it over to another professional, I'd go to one of those two classes and you'd actually get the flexibility in there as well. Or you could just Google Pilates for stability for runners or yoga for runners. And there will be plenty of free content out there that can help you with this. And lastly is timing. And this has to do with when your foot strikes the ground and how often, which I've only just realized I've not actually defined what cadence is. Before I do, I'll summarize timing is when does your foot strike the ground? When is your leg recalled to prepare to strike the ground the next time? Who is in charge of timing, your arms or your legs? And can you adapt the timing that your foot strikes the ground to create more economy? So what is cadence? Cadence is the number of foot strikes per minute. And somewhat easier to visualize in cycling. Cadence is talked about much more readily in cycling. And there's not really much debate unless things have changed from when I was uh, actively a cyclist. We know if the gear is too easy, we spin the pedals really quick. We're not in a sweet spot and we tire from the speed in which our legs have to move to create not much forward momentum. Too hard a gear and we don't feel like we can spin at all. We grind slowly, using way too much muscle, 
get into the red very quickly and tire very quickly. Rather, you find an appropriate gear and spin at, I think, I've not even Googled it, but from what I remember, it was about 85 spins per minute for, for good economy. I'm sure I've mucked that up in some way, but there is a figure out there. And I personally believe this same theory has lots of merit in running. Now, I don't have a piece of Stonewall metadata, a study of many studies, uh, so you're going to be disappointed. I'm not going to throw science and justification at, at you to prove my point, but I just believe it to be logical to aim for a cadence, a number of foot strikes between 170 and 185, depending on your height. Higher you are, uh, taller you are, sorry, the lower towards 170 is the optimum. Uh, and if you're small and light, you're going to flutter up to 185 and perhaps even more. But we'll use those two figures for illustrative purposes. And that is the figures that you will find in a lot of literature when it talks about cadence in running. Now, effectively, there's two ways where if you haven't got those sort of numbers when you reflect on your Garmin or GPS data, because most, most watches or phones do track cadence, and you notice that you're not up to that figure yet, there's two ways where you can tra slowly train your running stride to get up to that speed. And before I talk about those two ways, that's the important factor is getting up to speed slowly. If you were at 150 foot strikes per minute, and you wanted to jump straight to 175, one, you'll feel like a bit of a wally because it will feel very unnatural. And largely because of that reason, you're unlikely to sustain the practice. Now, the two ways you can slowly improve your cadence are you could run with a metronome app, which you can download to your phone and you can set it to the number of foot strikes per minute that you, you want to reach and you try and land the foot strikes per click or beep, whatever you set it up to. I personally have tried this method before. I wasn't a fan of it, if I'm honest. I much prefer this second way where you reflect on your run and you have an idea of what your average cadence is over different runs or races, or even look at your successful races and look at what your cadence was for the race. And then you pick an easy run and then you simply just spend some time playing around with cadence. Maybe that five to one minute rule. Or if you can keep focus, doing it for much longer. And the aim is of the run is one, keep easy because these things are best developed in easy runs. And two, increase your cadence. You finish the run, then you reflect on the cadence. And as you're reflecting, you can reflect was that easy? Did it feel easier to have that higher cadence? Did you achieve the higher cadence? And what was your mile per minute or K per minute times compared to normal? And that's where you can start to individualize to suit your needs. So what are the benefits then of reaching the supposed sweet spot of 170 to 185 foot strikes per minute. Firstly, the perceived wisdom is it's easier on your body and you're much likely to get less injuries for reasons such as you're not overstriding, which causes you to put the brakes on on your stride and then have to drag your body weight through the stride. 
using lots of muscular and soft tissue structures to do that powerful movement. The theory is if you've got a high cadence, you're more likely to use your skeleton and stack appropriately. And to have forward momentum, you're more likely to be kicking backwards than reaching forwards, allowing gravity to help you with your running rather than forcing it through overreaching. And the second reason is overall economy. The idea being that you're not using muscles that will eat up glycogen stores, stores that you need for the endurance event, because rather than powering through every single stride, effectively, muscles are only being used to stop you falling flat on your face because you're tapping the ground and you're coming off the ground very quickly, kicking back and fluttering the legs rather than bounding with big, springy, muscular movements. So last couple of points before I summarise cadence is how to train or how does it feel on the body? Because I've mentioned before that some people can feel a little bit silly when they're trying to increase their cadence and I know the feeling that they're talking about it almost feels like the Olympic walkers when you're out for a run and it feels very foreign to do so now a simple thing to get over this and increase cadence uh, without having that feeling is follow the arms instead of counting the leg strikes count the way the arms move because the arms are the lead for the rest of the body so simply by consciously increasing the rate in which your arms move forward and back, the rest of the body will follow suit. And the second way is a little bit more technical. And it's about where you are landing your foot and being more conscious of that. Now, there's lots of debate around this, but I'll put it simplistically. Generally, we should be looking to land our feet underneath our hips and keeping that straight line, that alignment of our bodies but when you're increasing your cadence and running in general actually you may want to consider landing your feet just slightly behind your hips and this means consciously delaying when your foot strikes the ground so that your hips move forward in the momentum that you've created through the running and you're striking the ground what feels foreign but can feel natural over time is striking the ground slightly behind you now, by doing this, it's easy to add more forward momentum, which will then decrease the time that your body needs the next foot to come and strike the ground and therefore increasing cadence. And by doing this also, you'll get what you will see in most elite runners and very good runners is the nice forward lean. If you were to take a snapshot of any elite uh, endurance runner from the side profile, most of the time you would see that their body is at an acute angle to the ground and not perpendicular 90 degrees. After all this practice and all this work on your cadence, the aim is to be stuck with a cadence no matter what run you are on, whether it's easy, hard or hilly. The only variable that changes is the stride length. That means when you're going on a nice flat and you've got a nice pace, and then when you hit the hill, you are literally either shortening your levers by bending your legs and or shortening the stri uh, stride length as you go up the hill. And this is our gear system. So the bikes have gears and cars have gears and our gears are the length of our levers by bending the knees or the length of the stride. 
which in my opinion is entirely logical. So to summarise the themes of this podcast, we have looked at the the fact that there are many ways we can go about self-improvement and sometimes the volume of those methods is the problem and we need to find a way to concentrate on what's important for us at the right time. It's important to realise that no one thing is the answer as Luke Humphrey summarised in his methods when he's dealing with his athletes that these things are a web and they all rely on each other. And I would argue some things are more important than others at certain stages of your programme or stage of development. And also it's important to recognise we all have our preferences or individuality. And if we reflect on what we're doing and we recognise that and we can play to our strengths. And my model and the model I want to develop in the future is to follow the hierarchy of attention. And at the very top, it's something that all humans should be concentrating on. And I've summarised that as sleep, nutrition, movement, relationships and wealth. Now, in this podcast, we've talked about movement and we've talked about endurance athletes. And the top of the hierarchy for me is appropriate volume, intensity, strength and flexibility, which borders nicely to form and technique using the FAST acronym Focus, Alignment, Stability and Timing, mentioning cadence. And I hope I've nicely answered uh, why, how important I think cadence is for an endurance runner, as long as you're looking at it in the right context at the right stages of your development. Because there are many other things that we could concentrate on. Could be footwear, could be the time of day you run in, how you eat, add any other nuanced subject to do with sport. Now that's it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope you find it useful. If you do want to message me for any more advice or take part in further debate about the issues that we've raised, I will reply to every message and you can contact me on in the long run podcast at gmail.com. I would find it an honour to help anyone with their running journey. Thank you very much. I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. I'm Scott Jameson. This is In the Long Run Podcast. 